It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The world outside your window might not be so great, but hey, here on Bullshit Recaps, everything is wonderful here for a brief stint in the DC Universe here, and everything is super. We're talking Wonder Woman. Talking Wonder Woman, just the first one right now. Don't at me with your Wonder Woman 1984 spoilers. I still haven't seen it, and that is by design. That is by the uh, the expert guidance of my uh, the the Steve Trevor to my Princess Diana, uh, Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin, an above-average man. Uh, I mean, that that in of itself is, is a bit of a stretch for me, but that's fine. Um, I am... Now put the lasso of truth on me and ask me to introduce you again. <laughs> no, don't do it. It'll I don't want to hear what you have to actually say about me. That's how we get through this world with lies. Um... <laughs> Yeah, what's up? I'm so this the DC universe. <laughs> this is crazy. So that this there's so there's a lot going on right now. Okay, so right now where we are and everything is super. Isn't this lovely? Like the podcast never stopped. You know, we did the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We swung into Spider Man. We chilled with Spidey. Multiple Spider Men. The Spidersmen. We did that. It was great. We wanted that. We needed that. We did that. We have some time to kill. Before the Marvel Cinematic Universe revs back up with WandaVision, it happens to line up pretty perfectly that we can do two quick hits, and then we got to get into WandaVision, and it just so happens that there's two Wonder Woman movies to talk about. I mean, I I guess we could talk about, like, the Linda Carter show if we wanted to. We could, like, spot check a couple of episodes of that if we really wanted to. We could talk about the the great animated Carrie Russell starring Wonder Woman movie. Love that movie. Which, if you haven't... Love that movie so much. If you haven't checked that out, I mean, that's the best Wonder Woman movie, is the Carrie Russell as Wonder Woman, and it's not just because I loved Felicity well, and anything that Carrie Russell is a part of. This movie is also the Waitress reunion everybody's waiting for, because Nathan Fillion Nathan plays Fillion Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. <laughs> uh, if you haven't tracked it down, I would say, that it's, is it literally just called Wonder just Woman? just called Wonder Woman. Wonder I Woman. believe it is available on HBO Max so as 2009, well. It's 2009, 2009 animated movie. Uh, mistaken so uh, you can get all your wonder woman fixes on hbo max because uh, wonder woman the the 75 show was also just added uh to hbo max um uh, so you can see all of them this is actually i actually watched the linda carter one i'd never really seen it before i actually watched it for the first time um this past week i watched a few episodes so that was an experience uh the 2009 wonder woman movie has carrie russell as wonder woman nathan fillion as steve trevor Dr. Octopus himself, Alfred Molina, as Ares. How about that? Some good casting. And Ahsoka Tano from the from the Star Wars yep. universe, Rosario Dawson, as Artemis. Yeah. Uh, hell of a cast. Really great movie. That first scene, it'll tell you whether or not you want to watch it. Uh, you'll know really quickly. And the answer for me was, yes. yeah, I was so. from a moment that I was like, wait, what is this rated? <laughs> 
one of one of my favorite superhero anything. So uh, we're not really going to talk about it other than like for me, that's like the six out of six high mark Wonder Woman experience. That's my all time Wonder Woman experience is the 2009 Wonder Woman movie. But here we are. We're talking about the the first Patty Jenkins directed Wonder Woman movie. Um, I guess I should probably just get this off my chest at this point before we go any further. So just let me back up in my seat a little bit. <clears throat> clear, clear my chest out. Here we go. Uh, Kevin, if you can describe what I'm doing as I do this. You ready? Josh is air guitar in the best way he can, which seems to indicate that he doesn't know how to play the guitar. So that's... <laughs> I don't know how to play the guitar. I don't. I don't know how to play the guitar. I only know how to air guitar, and the only guitar riff I can air guitar is the Wonder Woman guitar theme, which, God, I hate it's, so much. Uh, I don't know how... It's so Zack Snyder. It's so Zack Snyder. That part, uh, like, I hate the it. actual guitar riff is very Zack snyder but, like, they don't do it as heavy. Like, it, I don't know if it's they're playing in a different key, but they also have an accompan- accompaniment, I think, in this movie to, like, build off of it. That is just, it is a small part of, like, a much bigger theme that I think works so, so well. Oh, I hate it. I hate it every time it comes up. Uh, but that's, like, my big critique of Wonder Woman. As we, that's your as big critique? Just, just that one? That's the big one. Yeah, I hate that. I hate it so much. And it almost ruins everything for me every time it comes. I'm like, oh, this would be a good action scene with this stupid guitar God riff. It. You're oh, the I worst. It. <laughs> I hate it so much. It oh. is a great action the sound scene. Bothers it's a great me. action scene. Oh, my God. I know, but then you have to hear... Oh, it's terrible. Nah. hate it. Uh, that's not the theme that you're going to hear for the wand off uh, if we ever do the Wonder Woman wand off, which I don't think that we will do. But Kevin, this is an exciting time because not only do we have like a, a very like uh, relevant reason to be talking about Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman very zeitgeisty at the moment, considering Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel to Wonder Woman 1 has dropped on HBO Max. It dropped on Christmas Day 2020. Everybody has seen it. I have not. Kevin, I, I had asked you because you watched it, and I was like, should I watch before we do this podcast? And you were the wise one that was like, no, one of us shouldn't yeah. have. One of us should like still just like be pure on Wonder Woman. So somehow, some way, I have dodged the spoilers. I don't know anything amazing, about 1984. <laughs> I know nothing about it. I know absolutely nothing. By the time this podcast is out, it is very likely I've seen it at this point. But still, like, don't at me until... You see, like, definitive proof on the Twitter bots if I've been like, yeah, okay, I saw it. Otherwise, just be cool. You know, play it, play it, play it cool. It might be like a Friday that I watch it. Hopefully, I'll have seen it before then. Uh, but I've, I've dodged everything except for the fact that I know it's like, it's controversial. Like, some people really like it. Some people really don't. Some people like it's fine. So I have like no expectations going into it because everybody is so all over the place. And Kevin, I don't even know if you want to like tip your hand on where you feel about it. Um, I mean, I'll tip my hand. You know, I, don't, I don't know how much you want to say at this I, point. I'll, all I'll do is tip my hand to say that two things. One, the people who are saying this is a bad movie or an awful movie need to watch some more movies because as a person who has seen a lot of bad movies in their day, not even goddamn close. So, like, that take, I think, is ridiculous. Uh, and I'm not saying, like, you know, all movies have to be scaled just because there's worse movies doesn't mean that this one isn't bad. But I just think that the 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 response to this movie from the negative side is a bit overblown, in my opinion. And I'm going to be excited to talk about that and have people tell me why I'm, why I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have no idea. I'll, 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 I'll go into it wide-eyed. 
you know, ready, ready to feel however I feel about it, un- unencumbered with anyone else's thoughts. Uh, and I will either fully agree with you, Kevin, or I will disagree with you, but that's a podcast for another time. I think at the very least, you and I are going to walk into this one and be like, yo, that first Wonder Woman movie's great. This movie's great. This movie's great. My longstanding take has been like, it's 90% great and 10% not so good. Uh, it's like a, a very clear five out of six for me. Uh, as like Wonder Woman is sort of like this mishmash of uh, like this. I feel like this movie to me feels like uh, Thor meets Captain America, the first Avenger, but DC style. Uh, like it has that like fish out of water quality that comes from Thor with like the godly powers and that world that comes from Thor with the old war setting that comes with first Avenger to the point that there's a man named Steve who flies a plane seemingly to his death, but probably gets vaulted into the future instead. Uh, <laughs> it's what it seems like is going to happen in 84. But this I don't is why know. I want you to watch uh, it. So like you're coming in blank and I like that. <laughs> You know, so like I, I think uh, like there, there's definitely like points of comparison, and and I gotta say because I think this is this is you know we we need to do this before we even really go deep on Wonder Woman. I I like I compare it to my Marvel experience because I am very much Marvel first before I am DC. Like I have tried really hard to be to like become like really like fluent in DC comics, like and if not fluent, then at least like deeply conversant in dc comics and after uh like a decade plus of like professionally trying to crack that for myself i've never been able to like get that like same passion for it uh this the interest level it's just it's been more elusive to me and i think to some degree like that's sort of the world that dc inhabits it's like the you know it's more of like the um aspirational godly type figures mythological figures less on like the the grounded scale that marvel tends to operate in and marvel just is is much more my jam and i i've like come to a place of acceptance that like i will i will probably like there's dc stuff that i love definitely there are dc characters who i adore immensely but I'll never feel as passionately about it as somebody who is like a lifelong DC Comics fan, which is why it's great that we have on the line here a lifelong DC Comics fan. His name's Kevin Mahadeo, and Kevin Mahadeo, DC is like your jam. This is your stuff. This is what you grew up with. You always say Superman, your all-time favorite character. Yeah, um, DC DC is the thing that got me into superheroes and the comic book, specifically Superman, is, is what got me into this world. Um, and, uh, it's, it's been rough being a DC fan because there isn't in the movies, a lot of great stuff. So it was such a wonderful breath of fresh air, uh, seeing Wonder Woman for the first time. This was coming off of, you know, uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, which that's the podcast for another time. But needless to say, I was not a fan, um, to get this, to get something so great it is such a just relief. And it's weird for me. It's super weird, you know. I, 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 I do remember though. Like on a side note here, on your on your talk about getting into DC, I remember way, 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 way back. It must have been a decade ago, over a decade ago, actually. At this point, uh, we were we were when we were at Wizard in the good old days, and you asked me for like, can you give me a primer on the DC universe? And yeah. I remember having yes. to try to explain to you. All right, here's the Golden Age, here's the Silver Age, then a thing called Crisis happened, and a few years after that, a thing called Zero Hour happened, and after Zero Ooh. Hour, there's a thing called Infinite Crisis, and like <laughs> just explaining it all, I'd be like, this is this is why this is why it's hard for people. <laughs> it's a little tough. It's a lot. It's a lot. And like, I mean, now Marvel has started dabbling in multiversal stuff, so like. 
Uh, like you can never, you can't really anymore say, well, the multiverse is my barrier of entry because like, uh, you know, DC has like a thousand different flashes that like all these Robins, like all of these, di- like so many Green Lanterns and like so many different versions of like the legacy characters. Right. And like the mantles getting passed down and like uh, you have Barry Allen, but you've also got Wally West or you've got Hal Jordan, but you also have Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner and all of these people and whatever the, the pig looking one is named. What's Kill-a-log. that guy's name? The Kill-a-log. alien. What's his Kill-a-log. name? <laughs> Kilowog. He's great. Kilowog. Kilowog's yeah, great. You know, the, the pig looking guy. Uh, you know, like they've got, uh, they've, they've got like so, but now Marvel's done that. So like you can't say that that's the holdup anymore, but Marvel hadn't been doing that at the time that I was like super into Marvel. So I think I was more ready for that stuff. Whereas a lot of like the multiverse stuff with DC is, uh, like stems from Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? In the eighties. Sort of, um, yeah. And that, like, kind of, uh, that's, that's, you know, that happened. When did Crisis on Infinite Earths come out? Like, right around it was, when we were uh, born. It was either 84 to 85 or 83 to 84. Yeah. So, like, you know, we're, we're, we're wee babes at that point. <laughs> so, like, that's the DC comics that we're, we're entering as, as kids. Uh, and I think for me, like, that was all just, like, way too alien. And there was just no way that I was ever going to crack Well, that. DC is really tough for a lot of people. And I think a big reason is, you know, we talked about this a bit in the Spider Man podcast that Marvel was really good at sort of taking a peek and pull back at, like, the everyday humans behind the superheroes. A lot of the Marvel characters are grounded in, in reality. And have like very, I don't say relatable powers, but their powers are very straightforward. Although all of their powers are just some sort of radiation, which I always found amusing. Uh, I always joke DC at least is a little bit original in, in how they come up with their power sets. And Marvel is just like cosmic rays, gamma rays, spider radiation, uh, you know, like all these different forms of radiation just basically created these powers. Anyway, but like DC is more like mythical. You are right. It is very gods and mythic related. So uh, there is that level to it that just feels like almost unrelatable and untouchable. And like for me, even as a kid, and and this definitely ties, I think, into Wonder Woman really nicely, is that I was a Greek like mythology nut. Like I was a lunatic and I love Greek mythology and I still do. Um, I distinctly remember as a kid. Who's your favorite Greek god? That's that's a hard pull. I mean. Mine's Poseidon. Get out of here. But that's Poseidon the point. That's a psychotic take. it was literally just, just for the joke play. Cool. Um, <laughs> Artemis probably. I think Artemis is probably my favorite. Uh, I would say uh-huh. uh, just got us at a hunt in the moon. I think is really cool. She has that crazy story about the guy who saw her bathing. So she sent <laughs> she turned him into a stag and sent her hounds to eat him. Um, yeah, she's great. Uh, so I remember as a kid, though, you like Hades. Huh? You like Hades. Um ish i mean i you know the game I, the nintendo switch game hades you like i don't that? know that game the only hades i really oh, know look, is uh james woods look which into is it talk to talk to antonio mazzaro talk to a bunch of people in the post recaps patron discord i'm sure who's like yo hades is the bomb it's what is it called it's like some sort of like thief interesting game. it's got a the genre has a name that I can't remember that people are going to uh, at me about. <laughs> uh, people like it a lot. It's all Greek gods and stuff. And like you go and you keep dying and you keep going back to Hades. Isn't God of War? You're talking uh, about God of War? I've seen that. I played no, that. No, it's not God of War. <laughs> it's not. It's Hades. Check it out. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. This podcast brought to you, not brought to you by Hades. Brought to you by Hades and the Underworld. Yeah. Well, six months yeah. out of the year is also brought to you by Persephone, but only six months out of the year. Um, oh, that's yeah, a joke. Yeah. So, um, 
I, I, I do want to say, like, it's called a roguelike. A roguelike. Have you ever heard of a roguelike video no. game? I didn't know that that was a genre, but apparently it is. I didn't know until Hades. I have not heard of that. Is I mean, like, I know pl- like platforming style, and I know like RPGs and strategy games, and it's like somewhere yeah. in that realm, Kevin. All right. Well, anyway, anyway, you were you were deep into mythology, so like this was going to be your thing. Like this, like kind of like would would, would yeah. And it's you. it's interesting though, because like how heavy the mythology plays into Wonder Woman. It varies. Um, and I will say, like, I was not the biggest Wonder Woman reader. Um, and I know people are going to flame me to hell for this. But I feel like when you look at the, the 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 arc of, like, stories between, like, your Wonder Womans and your Super, like, your Supermans and your Batmans, Wonder Woman hasn't had as defining storylines as, uh, as Superman and Batman do. Um, and I was really familiar with a lot of the stuff. I was familiar with the mythos. But, like, runs themselves in like specific arcs i don't think it, it comes to mind as quick as it does for like characters like batman and superman uh for me the the biggest and best wonder woman run uh i recently encountered was by brian azarello and cliff chiang uh they did a stint um as part of the new 52 and i thought it was phenomenal and heavily heavily involved the gods and i think that's sort of what separates wonder woman a little bit from your batmans and your supermans is this this uh this pantheon that aspect of it and so we see that played into in this movie, I think, to to pretty solidly uh, effect in terms of the mythology around the character, which is where your comparison comes in, right? Like this is like Thor meets um, uh, Captain America, which is a good apt description because when Wonder Woman first showed up, it was in the 40s. She was involved with a lot of those characters like World War Two. She fought a lot of Nazis. So there's a lot there that makes sense in terms of the Marvel comparison. What's wild for me is that uh, what this Wonder Woman movie is another great example of like what a good Superman movie <laughs> like there's I know you said I've you said, said that, that and it's weird and I think it's on purpose though like obviously this isn't Superman there's a lot that's drawn from that character and I think for this movie specifically um, which we'll get into eighty four when, when it comes out but I think this movie is purposely done in the style of a Richard Donner Superman movie uh, in terms of tone in terms of like that that. Uh, the, the characters POV and that sort of like innocence quote unquote to them, not quite innocence, but like the way they want to like look at the world with hope. Um, even down to like literally the scene, you know, when they're in the alleyway, uh, do you remember this where after they're in uh, London, they're in, they're in the alleyway and like, she's just handed off the sword and the right. shield. So she's unarmed. So there's a scene where these guys confront them and one of them pulls out a gun and shoots them. And then like, she blocks the bullet by pushing Steve aside. That is an homage to the Richard Donner films. That is a scene like directly from that movie. So I, you know, it's very clear the influence of that. And I think it works so well because it does take us to a time of superhero movies that is very different. I think removed from the stuff we've seen recently, even if you look at the Donner films, I mean, that came up like, well, when I talk about crisis happening, when we were, we lads Donner happened like way before we were born. Um, so I think yeah. because of that, there's a lot here that I think speaks to me, right? Like there's a lot here that speaks to me in, in, in terms of the tone and the hopefulness of it. You have a character who wants to look at the good in people the way like, uh, um, Steve Rogers does like that Captain America aspect. Uh, and, and you put her in a setting that I think works really well that, you know, the choice of world war one over world war two is fascinating, but I think perfect for this type of story. One, I also think that like world war one is bizarrely the new hotness like i feel like everyone's just like well we told so many world war ii stories world war one is the new Dude, hotness. tell me i'm wrong how many movies have you seen recently <laughs> where it's just like this is a movie this one takes place in world war one I, I i just don't know that i would say it's the new for hotness. entertainment it is. Is. i, I think 
I don't know how I would describe World There's War One. There's been so that many way. movies where it's just like this. Like for a long time, the entertainment industry in Hollywood. 1917. Exactly. 1917. Red Tails. Uh, this, for example. There's like at least two more that came out within the recent times. And like World War II films have sort of like hit a decline in terms of like Hollywood and, and, and stories about them. There was a big time where literally it was just World War II and you never saw about World War One. And now it's all World War One. No one, no one really touches World War II anymore as far as like storytelling goes. Maybe people might think it's too relevant. I don't know. Um, Who knows? But uh, yeah, so like there's a lot in here that I think really worked for me as a fan of this world, of these characters, of this mythos, but you also like it and you know nothing of this stuff. So <laughs> no, I, well, I do. And I, and I think like, so, so this is, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that like when we're talking about like modern DC, well, the fact that we're talking about DC at all, uh, and that our first real conversation about DC comics is being lensed through this first Wonder Woman movie really makes me happy. Um, because there's a world in which we are like embarking on like everything is DC. We're going through the DC EU or the DC cinematic universe or whatever. So we're going like man of steel into Batman versus Superman into justice league. And we're just like crying because, uh, we don't like that. Uh, and many people do, and that's fine. And that's great. I don't particularly care for it. I think for both like, cause like I, I don't love Zack Snyder as a, as a filmmaker. Uh, I've given him a shot. He's betrayed me in the past with a few so things. And times. I just, I'm, so I'm, I'm just out. Like I wish that he'd made more like Dawn of the Dead type movies. I think that's by far and away his best movie. Um, and I, you know, everything's just so, so weirdly slow-mo and ah, it's odd. It's odd stuff. Anyway, I need, I need to go back and reevaluate, uh, like 300. I haven't seen that in forever. It's been a very, very long time uh, since I went and checked that out. Um, but like there, there's like a world in which like then we're going from there into Wonder Woman just like with like low expectations. And it's and it's just like it's another disappointment. And instead, what happened was uh, like clearly the DC cinematic universe effort has not like borne out the way that it was intended to. You know, they rather than doing like the build up to Avengers and everything that the MCU has done, they kind of just like went for it with Justice League and things are are spun out of Justice League. You get Aquaman, you get Wonder Woman. We're allegedly getting a Flash movie. Seems like it's actually probably going to happen. But it's 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 it seems like a lot of this stuff is either going to be disconnected or mostly disconnected from each other, or it's all going to be like tethered through the multiverse or whatever. Like they seem to care a little bit less about like that greater connection. Well, now they do, which is now why they like, do after, now, after they do. now they do. It's funny. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So like that it's, it's a shame that like the, the stuff didn't work, but one of the reasons that, uh, that we can start here with wonder woman is because the stuff didn't work. And outside of the fact that like there's some references to Wayne Enterprises and stuff and like some tangential Justice League tie-in material at the front and the back of this movie, which holds it back just the tiniest bit cuz there is like for me like just some like wafts of like failed films that are uh, like perfumed over Wonder Woman. I can't get past that. It's not a huge obstacle for me, but I always know that it's there uh when I watch this one. Um it's mostly disconnected, so you don't have to do this in an order. Like, what we can eventually do, Kevin, is, like, we can do Superman movies. We could do Batman movies. And right now, we'll do the Wonder Woman movies. And I love starting here, because this movie freaking rocks. Uh, Gal Gadot is incredible. She is, like, so excellent 
as this character. She's so much fun. Uh, the world of, of Thymascara is so fun. Uh, freaking Robin Wright, who's in this for like way too short of a period of time, is just like one of the best uh, action movie characters of recent memory. Um, it's just it's it's super fun. I was watching a little bit with of it with Emily. Uh, she she fell asleep and not because the movie was boring, but because she was way tired and she'd had a really long day. But she would never give a movie like she very 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 choosingly gives these types of movies a chance. And she watched like a good bit of Wonder Woman with me and she was like really into it. She was really feeling it. And I was very surprised by that. And I think a big piece of it was because Chris Pine's in it and Emily sees Chris Pine show up and she goes, best he's, Chris. He's great. Uh, he's so good in this movie. You know, there's a strong argument. Best Chris. He's good at everything he's been in recently, dude. Like, it's great. And um, yeah, it's it's like you said, it's it's weird and refreshing. And it, it's, it's just a fun access point to get into DC, I think. Well, this it's, movie. it's a good access point because you're entering entering through a good lens and i think you know you talk about the spinoff movies and the spinoff movies are all actually i think really solid it's you know when you when you look at like aquaman is i, I cannot wait to talk about really aquaman excited to talk about aquaman really liked wonder woman i love the first uh or not the first um the 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 harley quinn birds of prey movie i think is really great uh shazam i really love it's really interesting that all the movies I'm listing that are actually well liked and have like good reactions all seem to not have a factor that seems to be shared by all the bad ones that we talked about earlier. Um, so like this one is a great example to show how you can do these movies when you have people I think involved to kind of understand the character and actually give a crap about the character as they are and what they stand for as opposed to man, I wish this character is more adult and grounded. Um, you know like like a some weirdo frat boy um so i think this works super well for that reason uh down to like let's start at the beginning almost right like you, you talk about the themiscara stuff that that opening like man like you you, you got you're right we go through a little bit of the like justice league reference grounded where we I are i love that yeah yeah i wish we could get unfortunately it, it was what it was right but like once you hit themiscara man talk about a shift and a change like the like, you look at like Superman and Man of Steel, and you look at Wonder Woman. When you saw Krypton, the, the Krypton sequence, people talk about being really cool, but it does have this like very again Zack Snydery tone in like the the washed effect and the colors. You show up at the mascara, and it's so bright and it's so like gorgeous, and like you just see these Amazons being badass and little Diana like doing the moves, and it's just something like really fun and and just heartwarming about that, and you go through this whole sequence that, that just looks and shot so well that it just immediately sets the tone of like what you can be expecting in this film. And you talk about, um, uh, uh, Antiope and Antiope, uh, I'm blanking on the exact pronunciation of, of her name, but Antiope, yeah, uh, Robin Wright's characters. Um, and she's so great. And that leads into actually the other part that happens early on this movie. Like after Steve Trevor shows up, we get our first big action scene. And this movie, right away, in my opinion, establishes itself as like way better action than anything we've seen in DCU so far. Uh, there's just yeah. a choreography and a beauty to everything that happens. That uh, that shield scene on the beach where she just jumps over the boulder with the bow and arrow and like fires it, like holy crap! It's Super so cool. good. And they, what's funny is that this movie incorporates that slow motion effect, but does it better than the dude who made it a thing. Like I think the slow motion. Like fights in this are actually way better than the ones uh, that, that Snyder normally does. Um, but like so much of this movie, I think gets established in that beginning that 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 sets you up for for where it's going, and I think works incredibly, incredibly well. And I, it, it, it's just 
it, it's almost awe-inspiring in, in how well they pull that off. It's wonderful, uh. Kevin. It's wonderful. No, it's it's really, really cool. And and that's why I say, like, I think it's sort of, like, best of both worlds. Again, for my, my point of reference being, uh, you know, another series of superhero films. For me, it, like, does feel like it's got this level of, uh, you know, Thor and the Asgard stuff meets uh steve rogers in in his initial home turf uh and it's it's no coincidence or at least it is it, i don't know about coincidence but it's worth noting that patty jenkins who directs this uh directs 84 as well uh she and gal gadot both have been confirmed to be coming back for a third wonder woman movie i guess that means that this great hbo max uh experiment with 84 at the very least uh has has been a success enough of a success to go with number three so that's exciting um that patty jenkins was supposed to direct thor the dark world and like she had such a vision for it and like a whatever she had in mind for it didn't line up with the powers that be at marvel studios whether you want to lay that at the feet of feige or the fact that ike perlmutter was still there at the time like we we don't know what that looks like but she was supposed to direct the second thor movie and it didn't work out and Natalie Portman was allegedly like furious about it. Uh, and so it's just so fascinating to me that she ends up getting Wonder Woman, that she ends up going into this, this other very rich superhero universe that I think has a lot of common uh, DNA with both Cap and Thor specifically as, as characters. Uh, and I think that the way that this this you know totally different world, Paradise Island, is, is rendered feels just like sublime and amazing and like one of the most immediately lived in like fantasy universes uh like you know it just like feels like it it fits right alongside all of that so i i imagine what that must feel like as a big dc fan seeing that brought to life so lovingly and i i think the reason that i that i bring up like my personal dissatisfaction or or just like lack of like any real passion towards the other DC movies up to this point that are supposed to be in universe with each other. This is separate from like your Burton Batmans and your Nolan stuff. Like I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking specifically about DCU movies um, that it, it was like the, the bar felt very low. And so walking into Wonder Woman's just like no expectations, very low expectations for them to be like vaulted past on the shield. You know, and like those expectations getting like three arrows to the chest from Robin Wright uh, is a pretty exciting thing. And I remember going and seeing in theaters and just being mesmerized by it, both just like what was actually created, but also the fact that like I was feeling this, that I was feeling, oh shit, this one's really good. Yeah, it's wild. And like, again, I think it comes down to a person who really, you know, like the people involved in making this, I think really do care about the character and saw the character in a very specific way. And, and, and I think bled through, you know, it, it, there, there, there is famously the story about this movie, you know, uh, that the most iconic scene, the no man's land scene, which I think is such a defining moment, in not just this film, but this entire superhero genre, the studio wanted to cut it because they didn't get it. And Patty Jenkins apparently had to fight to keep that scene in. And that just one says, goddamn everything when it comes to like my constant beefs between creators and studios but also like why that scene was important and even to the trickle effect there's so many little things i don't want to say like it's because there was you know so many uh, female creators involved in a movie led by a female but like yeah kind of that's exactly what it is um from the from the look and the style of the amazons compared to something like justice league to 
to even the the minuscule stuff. And I think this is a good segue into the character of Diana. Um, Wonder Woman as a character of hope and compassion, I think is so strong and so well done, but it reverberates throughout the film. And I think a good example of that is also to the point where I wrote this down. Like you, you have that moment where um, Charlie is unable to take the shot, right? Like, he there it's a, when they're in Velda, if I'm not mistaken, and he's trying to they're like, oh, you got to shoot the guy in the tower. And he just couldn't do it because of his own personal trauma. And instead, I feel like in so many other instances, when you have a character who's supposed to be the sharpshooter who can't do it. You would have like the other like male characters even like be like, why didn't you take the shot? You should have taken the shot. And it's more about like his trauma fucking stuff up. But instead, you have Samir immediately like telling him it's OK. Like that level of compassion, you just don't see it in stories, especially from one guy to another. And I think it's just such a powerful moment of just showing what this movie is about and what this movie is trying to instill. Um, and that does stem all the way back to Diana herself as a character and, and just the way she encounters this world. She comes into this world from a place where, you know, they specifically call out man, but it's more of mankind. And, and that type of isolation away from like the, the terrible stuff that we have done and encountering it. Um, and so you have a lot of like interesting things where there is the fish out of water stuff in terms of like the humor of her in London, like when she's trying on the different clothes, trying to go through a revolving right. door, like all that stuff is really endearing and really fun. Um, contrasted also with then her exposed to the trueness of humanity and the darkness there and, and, and who desperately wanted to blame like, well, this is Hades's fault. This is a God's fault. Man, you know, mankind's not supposed to be like this. So it creates such an interesting dynamic character whose journey is so clear and you still want to follow it as you're going through the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's all of that, but it's also, um, I don't know. I think that one of the things that helps is like the way in which everybody in the movie is sort of like in awe of wonder woman, you know, like it, it, she literally walks into a room and just commands the entire attention of the room. Um, and, and I think that like, that's, that's going to be that character for sure, but that has to be sold by the person who's playing that character. And I think, um, figuring out how to cast Wonder Woman must be very, very, very tricky. And I think it is, uh, it is, it is very, very lucky almost that like Warner Brothers ends up with Gal Gadot uh, to to be this character because she's just she is that character like she has that confidence but she also has like um, the compassion that you're talking about uh, the ferocity like she's just so rich like she's so dimensionalized um, and she's she's magnetic like this she's there's a version of this movie where uh, as there was like a version of Captain America where where these are the characters that are like kind of like the vanilla characters that are sort of the boring ones and you just kind of have have to have them in there because it's their movie and you got to like advance them into the universe and stuff. And then it's like all the supporting characters are the ones that you really care about. And, you know, for me, in the case of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain America is my favorite character. And for me, in the case of the D- DC Cinematic Universe, such as it exists, Wonder Woman is by far my favorite character with maybe Aquaman in second position. Because, <laughs> uh, God, I can't wait to talk about Aquaman someday. Um, and I, it's amazing. Like that, that's, that's not easy to, to, to pull off. Uh, and certainly the fact that this movie crushed, uh, box office wise, right? Like it was, uh, 120 to 150 million budget, according to Wiki, uh, 822.3 million dollars 
worldwide for this movie. Uh, tell me again how uh, a, a woman starring blockbuster isn't going to make bank. Um, so, you know, kicking doors down, like really exciting stuff. And for that to like, not just be like a huge moneymaker, but to be a huge moneymaker and also be just like objectively really, really well made and awesome, um, is just like a cultural win. So, uh, Wonder Woman is just like, a, a, like I have so much respect for the movie on, on those levels. And I think it's, it's so, um, it's so firmly rooted in the fact that it's a great character that's clearly understood by the people who are making it and embodied by someone who just like completely rocks the portrayal. It's, so this, yeah. And I, I think there's so much here that I think that makes the character work. And when you when you just said like everyone is in awe of Wonder Woman, I think that's so accurate. And I think it's in awe for the right reasons, which is going to be a weird thing to say, but uh, allow me to explain. Um, when you when Wonder Woman shows up, right? Like she 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 says and does these things that that exhibit a bit of naivety, right? Like someone who obviously has not been in the world, but naivety to the point of like addressing sexism directly because that doesn't make sense to her. So you have these things where there's a naivety to it when she has the ice cream for the first time. She's never had it before. But I think her response to that scene especially is is interesting. Because she says, like, you should be very proud of this. There is a line here, and there's a type of character that exists within comics, within movies, within video games. And there's a phrase for it. It's called sexy born yesterday. I don't know exactly who, who coined this term. But it is basically these female characters who act almost childlike in naivety. And the awe that the characters in this world feel towards them is because of a weird one. They're, they're physically mature. So there's a weird like sexual attraction and a sex sexualization of their childishness. Um, and naturally almost all of these things are examples of stuff written by guys. Cause there's a weird fetishization among men for this stuff. So you, you have this, 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 this character trope that exists but Wonder Woman, to me, isn't that because she continuously throughout this movie exhibits her intelligence, like through the addressing of sexism, through like how, how she uh, approaches situations through her just knowledge of facts and information and languages. She's constantly intelligent in a way that leaves you in awe, that leaves you inspired by this character. Whereas the opposite end of it, it's always the, the sexy born yesterday is like clueless about stuff. She doesn't understand what a book is, basically. Like, it's it's very weird, but it just, again, goes to show how you can do a character like this really, really well and really appropriately. And I think it's it's exhibited in Wonder Woman, um, you know, which to lead to the no man's land scene, it's it's not that, but it is a superhero part, right? The most superheroic thing that I think has happened. One, I think that, that the fact that they saved the costume reveal, like, you don't really fully see her costume until this moment. I think it's so smart yeah. for a superhero film. Like you see it at night, she's wearing the black yep. cloak, like she's wearing it, but you don't really, you, you don't get like that big moment until about halfway through a little more yes. at this point. I think this is like almost exactly halfway through at this, at, at this point. Um, but yeah, and she comes out, uh, you know, because there's, there's all this awful stuff going around and it really represents the idea of superheroes as hope, right? Doing the right thing because you can. And Everyone else was like, we, we can't, we don't have time, we don't have time. And she's just like, if we don't do this, then what are we even doing here? Um, and for her to come out and basically, as they say, like taking the shots for them, like there's something so awesome and inspiring. And the music plays, like there's just such a moment. I remember people like weeping in the theaters for this. And I think that is what attributes to the idea of this big box office success. I think you're doing a movie right by character that appeals to everyone and showing what superheroes can be and what they can aspire and what they can do. Leading into despite your commentary about the guitar riff, 
what an act. Like, when she gets to the city of L2, oh, my God. Like, where she just bursts through the window. She's, like, sliding across the floor and kicking people. She grabs a gun and breaks it behind her back. She knees someone out of a window and then runs. Like, what? Like, there's so much awesomeness. You know what I think I need to do? You know, uh, you know the meme Guile's theme goes with everything? Yeah. <laughs> It's Guile from Street Fighter, and it's Guile's theme song. It's da 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 I need to like, and like, it's just like juxtaposed on all sorts of things. Like, you are not the father. <laughs> like, it's it's great. I need to put that over that Wonder Woman fight scene because maybe I'll it's, enjoy it more. I just I hate that guitar. It's just a remnant of Justice League. I remember it from the trailer from Batman versus Superman. I remember it from that trailer of like the reveal that Wonder Woman was going to be in the movie. And they're just like guitar lick. And I'm well, like, that's oh, only, and that's that. only when she actually gets into the city. Like in No Man's Land, they're not playing that song. They don't play that at all. Sure. Um, yes, and, correct. But like there, there is that moment. And, as soon, and like I'm not prepared for it. And then as soon as it hits, I'm like, yeah, ah, and that's when it. she's in uh, the building. And it's also the last thing that you hear in the movie. Like yeah. they, they slam to the Wonder Woman title with that. But no, I just don't like it. The fact that they brought back the shield jump at the end of that that sequence too. There's no yes. more guitar riff at this point awesome. when she's using her lasso. There's no more guitar, so she's using the lasso really cool. There's just so much in here to, that showcases why this character is great and why this character is awesome. Um, and like it, it is, I think you got to have a good character like this to really carry a movie, and and they succeed in spades here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, you know where they perhaps succeed less is everything surrounding Ares. Uh, and so like. Wonder Woman, for me, like uh, when when I think about Wonder Woman, I used to say it has the same problem that the Wolverine has, uh, which is that it's like eighty percent an excellent movie, and then like just like d- gets destroyed in the final twenty percent. And I don't think that that's true anymore. Having having watched it again most recently, and maybe I'll feel differently about the Wolverine someday. I don't know. I haven't revisited it in a very long time. Um, but with with Wonder Woman. Um, you know, this entire movie, she's pursuing Ares. She thinks that the God of War is responsible for World War One and everything. And it turns out she's right, but she's got the wrong Ares. It's not Danny Houston, who's just like uh, on like uh, superpower crack cocaine, right? Like he's just like, uh, like, you know, he's who, who knows what the hell he's got going well, on. Funny, but he's all that's a real up. person, by the way, like the, the character he's playing Ludendorff is a real general in uh, in World War One. Um, it's but the breathing in the the gas stuff is actually also you know for comic book nerdery uh, is somewhat based on a character named Captain Nazi, which for obvious reasons they weren't going to use a character named Captain Nazi um, who breathed chemicals to give himself superpowers, specifically flight. But uh, I thought that was really interesting that they brought that that aspect of a World War II character where Wonder Woman is most known from 
into uh, World War One with Ludendorff. But anyway, continue. Sorry. So you think it's him, and then she kills him, and she's like, "Why didn't war end?" And Steve Trevor's like, "Cause that, cause that's not how this works." You know, people are complicated and we kind of just kill each other. It's like not just like one thing. Uh, and then so like she's like all, you know, she's she's out. She feels like she, you know, she feels like she failed. She feels like she doesn't understand people anymore. She doesn't want any part of our world anymore. And then here he comes and he doesn't even show up in the movie until so late is the thing. Uh, here comes Remus Lupin, David Thewlis. Uh, the big bad wolf of uh, Fargo season three fame shows up and he with his his twirly little mustache, which uh, I I recently, Kevin, I, I shaved the neared and kept the mustache for three days to bother Emily. How'd that work out? I was going to it was it worked, but it, it bothered me, too. By the end of it, I was like, I have to get rid of this. Uh, it's so gross. Uh, and I kept thinking, like, I need to make it to the Wonder Woman podcast to show Kevin my must. I had to get rid of it. I couldn't make it this far. Uh, but David Thules with his little mustache, he's like, I'm actually Aries. So, yeah. And then he's just like, he's kind of like a weird, funky little Aries. And I get the point. It's like, the God of War is suggestive, you know, and he's putting ideas in people's ears and getting things going that way. But then, like, you map David Thewlis onto, like, this gigantic The Rock-style body, and it's just, like, I don't know, all sorts of cognitive dissonance for me. It's it's not a reveal I particularly like. I'll say it, it played better on this watch for me than it did the first time. I guess, like, maybe I was just, like, prepared for it, so I, it didn't, like, take me out so much. Uh, and, I, you know, his voice is fantastic, so, like, when he's at a distance and he's, like, throwing shit at Diana, like, and he's, like, talking, like... Uh, like you must surrender now, Diana. Like, you know, like his voice is kind of great because, like, you can you can map that onto like an animation, uh, like an animated villain. Uh, but like when you're applying, like, it's just a weird match of actor to character that just really fails for me. Like, dude, take every positive stuff, right? That I was just saying, all the joy and happiness and, and greatness that I was feeling about this movie, and flip it literally to the opposite is how I feel about this ending. And there's just so many things about it. And again, I I do still think this is like a 10% bad, but boy, oh boy, is it bad. There's, there's rumors that this wasn't supposed to be here. This final fight was studio mandated rumors. And again, I can't substantiate that. It feels like it. It feels like it. God, Jesus, can you feel it? It ruins the arc of this movie, which sucks. There's, there's like two levels to it, right? One, there's the part you're talking about. The, the, the idea of David Thewlis as Ares and in that fight scene. Who's an actor, by the way, that I oh, love, love. That and Lupin is my all-time favorite Potter same. character. So, Absolutely like, same. nothing, nothing but respect. People might think it's Snake. No, it's Lupin. Um, nothing. I but actually respect. have Lupin's wand. Uh, I bought it uh, from um, uh, Hogwarts, uh, or not Hogwarts. You're a very cool me. guy. Very, very um, cool guy. Technically, Diagon Alley. But anyway, um, <laughs> so. The the casting there, it would have worked fine, like having him as just this presence when he shows up and he's talking and all that's fine. When he turns into literal Ares, I think is where it gets wonky and weird. Like, you're yeah. a god. You can make yourself look like anything. Just make yourself look badass. It's fine. It just it felt so weird to make that choice. And that's a physical part of it. And then even the physical part of the fight, sticking to that, 
What? It just became such like you had a moment where so much of the fighting that was going on in this movie, I, I praise because it was doing all the fight things right. There was an investment into it. There was using the environment to to an advantage. Uh, and then all of a sudden you have Ares show up and it turns into the usual fiery orange gray nonsense that is meaningless and has no stakes or nothing. Things are exploding left and right. It's your usual Batman v Superman Man of Steel nonsense. And like you just I just don't care about that type of fight either because it's just a bunch of CG nonsense throwing at each other. Uh, and sometimes that can work well. But again, the stakes aren't even there anymore because who gives a crap why they're fighting anymore? Right. Like you have two things going on. One, why is he doing this? He's monologuing the entire fight like a video game character. It reminded me of like literally you get to the end of the video game and you're running around trying to beat the bad guy and he has like six health bars and the bad guy just has to keep looping and talking because that's how video games work. So he's just saying a bunch of stuff and you're barely paying attention to it. Like, can you imagine if the Final Final, Fan- Final Fantasy is that Sephiroth monologuing the whole time? Like, what? I don't need that. Well, you know, Final Fantasy is not a great comparison because Final Fantasy as a franchise has a history of like, so wait, you thought that was the bad guy right. the whole time? Well, let me tell let me tell but, you something. That's right. Not and it. those are universally considered bad parts of it. It's always like, oh come on. Yeah, so is it Romus? S- Who is that? <laughs> so you have you serious? You have but that's what worked for seven, right? Like it was Sephiroth the whole time. You just have to get to him. But anyway. Ultimacia? What is this? Monologuing the entire time like a video game character. So like you 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 when you when you have a character who has to spell out the stakes in the middle of the fight, that's a bad character in a bad fight. You also have the point not making sense. And this is gonna segue into my the, the thing I'm more mad about, because as a person who cares about story so much, this really infuriates me. You have this idea that he's mad and he's a bad guy because he wants to prove his dad wrong. We all can get daddy issues. That makes sense. But his whole thing is that I was influencing them to prove to dad that, that, that humans were bad. It would have been so much more powerful if humans were just bad, as was the setup we were leading to. And then they have Ares be like, no, I didn't do any of this. This is just them. <laughs> yeah. Like, what a, and what a lesson for Diana. This is the issue. You have this entire movie set on the theme of where it was heading for her, that it wasn't going to be Ares. We knew it, but she didn't. That had to have been her character journey, and she had that journey. You could have had that Ludendorff fight extend out just a little bit more to have it be, and it is. The reason why it all feels weird afterwards is because that fight is the climax of the film. That is a, the character moment. You could have just extended that out a little bit further. She beats Ludendorff. Her and Stephen have that convo where he says, like, it's us, we're all to blame. That is a lesson. That is a character journey yeah. for Diana to go through. And you can honestly still have Ares show up. You can still have that scene where he literally goes just like, lol, nah, people are, people are effed. See you later. And then he just leaves. Like, that's fine because you set up this again, this thing where it's just like Ares was here, but he didn't do this. And I think there's something so interesting about that. You, you lose the fight. That, that happens because the fight that happens is so meaningless and so boring and has no real purpose behind it besides you need a big CG action fight, which, again, feels very much like a studio mandate. So to me, that's the biggest issue with this fight at the end, too. It just it doesn't make sense thematically. It ruins like this character journey by having it actually be Ares, even if it's just like, well, I nudged them. And it's just like he was still doing enough. Like there's just so much there that just I think 
really takes the wind out of the sails of what was a phenomenal, phenomenal character arc. Um, especially again with the where it was all going with her and Steve and everything. And then instead you get this mess at the end, which is unfortunate, which is brutally, brutally unfortunate. Yeah, I, I guess like I don't know why it didn't bother me as much this time around. Uh, you know, it still don't like it. Um, but I, I think I was really taken with how much I was enjoying the rest of the movie. And I do think that like that 90% all just works. And I would even lump that like part of my 10% that I dislike about this movie is, uh, is like the Justice League type stuff. It's like the Justice League type stuff. And then David Thewlis, Ares reveal. Uh, like that's the stuff that doesn't work. Just about literally everything else in this movie is just a bop. It's great. You know, like it, it like a like a banger as they say. Uh which we haven't even talked about Chris Pine yet. Speaking of other things that really really work. He's so good. Pine's great, he's man. So good. Chris Pine's great. He's great. Uh the the scene where he's in like the like the the onsen like the the electric blue yeah. hot tubs. Uh I was watching with next to Emily and she, her eyes were just glued to the TV. I was like, "Oh, you're watching the movie?" She's like, "Well, Chris Pine is on screen right now." Uh, <laughs> And then he has that great line of uh, "I'm above average." Uh, was was very funny, uh, and like the whole moment of like, "What is that?" You know, and she's like, "What is that?" And like, you think that she's talking. He thinks she's. Oh no, you're talking about my watch. Uh, like it was just the comedy is really good there. He's just he's very very game. Um, I think that his his journey is really great. I I love like the idea of like the weary soldier who doesn't want to be doing any of this. He even literally says, like, I don't know if want is the right word, uh, but I tried doing nothing uh, and that didn't work so well. Uh, And so, like, I feel like Chris Pine's character is like such goals for like our time, Uh, like when everything feels so wrong and you feel so helpless and you just feel like there's nothing to do. Like, I feel like he's a he's a great character in the face of that, of like. Uh, well, doing nothing feels like shit, right? Like you gotta try something. Yeah, and, and I think that that works so well in terms of like their addressing of war, right? Like again, again, ignoring the area stuff. Like what mankind has done to each other. You have not only um, Steve, who who you know admits like he doesn't necessarily want to be doing this. But you also have him again be smart, be courageous, but always I think to a certain, a certain extent, second fiddle to Wonder Woman, which is great because like she's Wonder Woman, and I think as good as he is, he yes. always should be second fiddle there. Um, but even it's really punctuated when, uh, they're, uh, they're fighting in that aforementioned alleyway scene and she just like rocks everybody. And then Steve punches the yes. last guy, but like hurts his hand yeah, very badly. And I think that cause like punching someone in the face hurts you. And then you have too. Eddie Candy show up uh, with the sword. Eddie Candy, who, by the way, is so good in this. I, 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 I love yeah. her in this movie. It's that actress is also great, uh, from the British office. Um, like a plus, uh, but then you you have also like all the characters I think are so bizarrely like lived in. Despite we don't get a ton about them, we get enough that we understand them. We have Samir who wanted to be an actor. We have Charlie who's suffering from PTSD from this, and we have the chief who's awesome. I love that moment when they're talking about again what war is and what it does and what man has done to each other. Where it's just like she asked like who did that and he said his people. Like holy crap! His like it's so good. Yeah, there's just so much great stuff in here that 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 talks about these things that almost get glorified normally and to see it addressed in such a way, I think so well done and so smart. And again, fit in with a lot of the themes that we saw, which again, the, I'll take this crew over the howling commandos of the MCU every day. Of you the would week. do what? I would take oh. this crew 
over the MCU's Howling Commandos for, for every sure. day of the week. I, I, this crew is great, just obviously for the diversity aspect, but just for their their chemistry all with each other. And Steve and Diana, the Diana's chemistry is crazy. Like they're so good together. Their moments are so uh, like I think heartfelt that it works. Like. But also really funny, yes. like the when they're when they're sailing away, and she's like, "You don't want to sleep? Like, how are you going to sleep? Like, he's like, you don't sleep with women. He's like, oh, I sleep yeah. with women. Like, the whole interplay there is just like really funny. Will they it's won't they stuff? Right. Like, it could be tacky, but they do a really good job. Yeah, selling and it. then you have like the quieto moments, like them dancing in the snow, dancing all always, always somehow dancing is a euphemism for sex, uh, which then happens shortly after. Um, so you just have this like great stuff with them that I think works a lot better, and probably because like. I guess since it's wartime, it, it feels like it's, it runs longer than like the Thor and Jane Foster stuff for me. It, it works stronger here. It feels like there's there's more that happens with these characters to to signal their bond than it does in something like Thor. And again, the ending of the movie isn't the idea that Wonder Woman is fighting to save Steve Trevor because he dead already. So, it, you know, it, it, yeah. and that scene is also tragic because like you have this moment where you don't even they don't even really get to say goodbye to each other. Like he kind of has to peace out and she never even says goodbye because her ears are ringing. She can't fully have a conversation with him. So there's really interesting stuff right. there that I think works so well for these characters and just Chris Pine as just a, an actor, man. Yeah, Emily is Emily is right. It, it's it's hard not to not to not not to rank him really high into Chris scale uh, between like this between his wet hot American summer first day at camp stuff, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> yeah. Peter, Peter Parker in, in Spider Verse, like and and Captain Kirk, he's he's really fantastic, and he's just such a charming, charming guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get into some feedback, Kevin. Uh, here's a review from Riley. Riley writes in and says, uh, "I absolutely love this movie. This is one of my favorite superhero movies of recent years." Even if the final battle issues knock the score down a bit for me, I like this movie and think it's better than a lot of films that I've given higher scores to. Because what's so good about this movie is so much better than your average superhero movie. Um, I praised Wonder Woman 84 really hard in my immediate reaction to seeing it, says Riley, and I don't have any difference of opinion there, but rewatching this movie makes it clear just how much better and near perfect it is. Uh, Riley says, of the things to gush about, one thing I have to mention is the use of Thymascara in Greek mythology. One of my favorite aspects of Wonder Woman from the comics is how it explores Greek mythology through Diana and on Themyscira. This movie nails the Amazons, gets them and their society just right. That hour spent on Themyscira is incredible, getting to meet and know all the different Amazons, seeing their incredible society at work. The world is wonderful and gorgeous and fascinating and feels unique, unlike one of notables, one other notable superhero that has roots in God and mythology, Kof. Thor, how could they make Asgard so boring, Cough? Uh, Riley finishes saying, I loved the reveal of Diana's origins with Zeus and the sequences that show the Greek gods in their fall. My only gripe is the choice to kill so many of the Greek gods. Their world is, is wonderful and tied to Diana's backstory. They're leaving a lot of great comic material on the floor if they don't come back to all of that. Yeah, I, um, one of the things that I talked about just now about my love of Greek myths, like if you are wanting to read some good Wonder Woman stuff, uh, like I said, it, it's hard. Like, there's obviously there's a graphic novel called the Hecatea that's uh, written by Greg Rucka, if I'm not mistaken, who is a fantastic Wonder Woman writer. A lot of his stuff is really good. Um, but specifically, you could look to a George Perez stuff, which is where they draw a lot of the Ares influence. But again, the Brian Azzarello run to me is so great because of its incorporation of the Greek gods. They're all there. So like Riley, if you're worried about not having the Greek gods in Wonder Woman, check out that run. I know we've convinced you to buy so many graphic novels <laughs> recently, uh, but do you know what? I'll talk to you on the Discord. Maybe I can hook you up. 
But that one, yeah, I'm looking. I know that Kevin, you and you and Riley had like a really robust uh, WW84 yes. conversation the other night. So I'm I'm looking forward to watching the movie so I can go back and see what y'all yeah. talking. But for about. other people who want to check it out, I, I would say the Azarello run is really fun because it has all the Greek gods in there, and they're all uniquely designed. The designs of the Greek gods in that book is so cool and so fun. They're not like like Ares, right? He's not just like this. I'm a big hulking guy in armor. Like Ares in that book is like basically looks like Brian Azarello. He's like just a skinny guy with like a bald head and a long beard. Um, like everyone looks super weird and it's great. So I highly recommend that if you're looking yeah. for reading suggestions for Wonder Woman. Uh, so this is from Sarah. Sarah writes in and says, first, how amazing that World War One setting is. Uh, as a history buff, it's great to see and it fits so well with the themes presented. Media tends to drift to World War II as the clear narrative with the good guys and bad guys that are easily recognized. But it's not always that easy, and war is messy, as the movie so wonderfully portrays with the journey Diana goes on and the wisdom Steve imparts to her on the Watchtower. Excellent usage of setting to tie into the greater movie, and it almost seems it only ended up that way to avoid being compared to Captain America. So thanks for that, Cap. Uh, Sarah continues, Secondly, uh, as a woman, the trench scene just means so much to me. I was crying in the theater as she moved so effortlessly in a demonstration of power like nothing I've ever seen before on the screen. It felt like I could be that, and it meant so much to me. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, the No Man's Land scene, I think, is like the pinnacle of superhero uh, in movies. It's just so well done. And um, yeah, I mean, the World War One setting, I think, absolutely fits so well thematically up until the very end. Uh, with that Aries thing, but it, it was such a great choice, and I, I love period pieces like this. Um, you know, which is weird because like I like Jane Austen and stuff too, but this is obviously very, very different. Um, but I'm a big fan of period pieces, and this is this is one that's being explored a lot more recently. But it, it is, I think, cool to see it explored in the superhero realm, which we almost never get. One last one from the great Professor Strunk, who says, "I think Wonder Woman gets unfairly criticized for its third act. The third act is good." I especially like the portrayal of Steve Trevor sacrificing himself and Wonder Woman learning that humanity has both good and evil in its nature. The only part of the third act that I would criticize is the CGI slugfest between Wonder Woman and Ares. It doesn't do much for me. Strunk, unfortunately, I think that's an issue. <laughs> you know, I do think, unfortunately, the CGI slugfest uh, is tough. That's hard. How are you going to get fully past that? I, I don't yeah, really know. And if you're a Steve um, and... Specifically, specifically a Stephen comic books, just stay away from planes and war settings because planes are not good for Steve's, Steve's, I know, I know. Um, all right, well, we're not doing like all the big bells and whistles with the ratings and stuff. You know, I think uh, we're we're putting that on hold for the time being. People did send in their scores for the movie. I'm I'm happy to keep doing that. Just like to have it in posterity of the one to six. Um, uh, I gave this a five out of six. Kevin, you did the same. Uh, the listener average, as it stands, is a five point three. Uh, went as high as a five point seven. That's nice. Riley. We uh, gave it a five point seven out of six. Um, total average, uh, it's a five point one one. Uh, and if you if you map that onto let's let's see where that fits alongside some of these uh MCU movies, I think could be uh could be an interesting point of comparison. Um, well, it's not quite as high as the Incredible Hulk. Just kidding, Kevin. <laughs> it's a joke, Can you Kevin. Imagine? It's higher than higher than Captain America: The First Avenger. Uh, a little bit lower than Winter Soldier. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, so a good. It, it that's a good place to Captain's America. Good placement to be. Yeah, I do think. Uh, just this movie again could have been massive, massive contender if not for that uh, that weird third act. Which not even the third act, just that yeah, weird I moment, think, really. Um. 
I think for me, you take that out and like if it if it didn't have like the Wayne Enterprises stuff on it and like it could just like feel like its own movie a little bit more. I think that this is like, you know, a near perfect movie as far and as it's I'm really, concerned. you know, it's it's good to see a super like it's so weird. It's so weird because the DC characters, as much as like people talk about like let, let's flash back before the MCU, as much as people talk about like the loves of Cap and the love of Iron Man now and, 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 and Spider-Man. The only, I feel like, Marvel character that stood up to the recognizability and popularity of three of DC's biggest characters is Spider-Man. You have Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman are so recognizable in their symbols and their, their, their stances and stuff worldwide that it took this long to get a Wonder Woman movie is nuts. And um, it is exciting to see this character get its, get its due and, and, and in such a great way. Um, and I love the way that they approach the character. It's really fascinating. It's really interesting. And we're seeing reverberations through the comic books as well, which I have other feelings about, which are complicated. But it's great to see Wonder Woman getting this type of recognition and having uh, this type of highly successful film behind her. Obviously, I really wish it was a Superman movie that came even goddamn close to this. I have to add now. To- maybe. Maybe it'll yeah, happen. One day. And you, and you always have those Richard Donner movies. Those movies are classic. I was watching uh, the first Superman recently. By recently, I mean like in the last two years. Uh, but that was like the first time in a very long time. And I was like, I felt very, very deeply transported. Yeah. I mean, I love, look, don't get me wrong. I love the first and second Superman movies very deeply and i like three and four for very very different reasons um meteor man yeah, meteor man <laughs> nuclear man actually his Love name meteor is nuclear man, man. meteor nuclear man is someone man. else Sorry, entirely yeah. which is also a meteor great man's a great different movie. character uh, yeah. <laughs> robert townsend um so i love those films but those are those are actually a really good example if you think about like what i was saying where certain movies embody time periods and embody periods of a character right like like your sam raimi spider-mans and stuff like that I think that the those Superman films embody the Silver Age extremely, extremely well. Um, I, I think Christopher Reeve is the best interpretation of the character. I, I really love his portrayal. I wish you could just superimpose him into a modern day Superman plot uh, because he just does it so well. But I really that's what I would love to see. Just just a more modernized take on the character, because there is some stuff in there that are that is very silver agey, that is a bit like weird and out there. And I think the parts of that movie that succeed that make it as good as it as it is, is the portrayals of the character, is the broader themes of, of you know, the outsider coming in from nowhere um, and having to live up to the, the, being this hero. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it, I love those movies. I think the second one especially is my faves. But. I would just love a modern Superman movie. Like I keep joking online that like my favorite Superman films are, I, I think in order now, uh, Captain America, the, the first Avenger, Wonder Woman one, Hercules by Disney, and then the Iron Giant. None of them are in fact a Superman movie. So it's just weird to be in that yeah. spot. But uh, what this gives me hope that one day they can maybe do something as good for Superman as they did here for Wonder Woman. All right. So that's Wonder Woman. Unless you got more to say, I think we can keep it tight because we've got more time to talk about. And, and we're coming back really quick. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing this uh, this release date pivot. You're used to your everything is super on right around the Thursday spots. We're moving to Mondays because we need to get in, in prime position for WandaVision. It's going to be a good spot to be in for WandaVision. Watch me be totally wrong about like when WandaVision comes <laughs> out. Yeah, that would really change things. <laughs> Well, we'll figure that out. If we have to fix that, we'll be like, oops, sorry, we're wrong about that. 
Um, but right now we're, we're, we're moving with that in mind. Uh, and so Wonder Woman 1984, our recap of that will be out in just a couple of days after we've dropped this one. It's going to be a really tight turnaround. So the Wonder Woman conversation gets to continue. I'm really excited to finally see it. Kevin, I feel like you gave up nothing, which is awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to the spoiler gods. Uh, I hope they look like David Thewlis that I've been able to avoid, uh, any spoilers on this movie. I keep seeing people be like, mid credit scene explained. I'm like, I'm trying not to click that mid credits and a post credits or just a mid credits. As far as Kevin? I knew it was just a mid credits. Okay. All right. Was there mid credits, post credits on this one? No, I don't think so. Not that I, remember. I don't think so. Cause at this point, so. I don't think they were like plugging the, the DC. At this stuff. point they're like, Oh, we just got to get yeah. these ones. Right. Oh, I would God. love to see. Cause this is the thing. I mean, like when you, when you think about where it could go and I think again, when you look at, how the MCU has affected what stories or what these superhero stories can be. Obviously DC wants to do its own thing, which I think was not the smartest way, but for so many reasons. Um, but imagine like we got these films, right? Like imagine if we got a self-contained wonder woman, um, uh, movie here, right. Uh, took place in world war one without the like modern day stuff that, that we were criticizing. We got Aquaman, we got Shazam, like, like, uh, Shazam is pretty tied into some stuff, but imagine, all of that, and then you get these characters together for Justice League. It could have been really cool. It could have been really fun. It could have been really exciting. Like you built up this love, the love for these characters. Yes, it's a Marvel model, but guys, it's okay if you do it right. Uh, you can you can just copy another model. Um, Look, it's not over. It's not you know, well. It's not. It's not weird over. Weird stuff yet. is happening. They made announcements. I don't know if you if, if you saw that. Yeah, if you want so, to talk about that now, we can. But. <laughs> Yeah, so really quickly, there's been some news that Warner Brothers is eyeing six DC movies a year, four of which are aiming at theatrical, two of which would be dropping on HBO Max. Um, they will also be doing like multiple Batman movies at a time. So you've got Robert Pattinson showing up at, as Batman. And then I don't know if the implication is that they're going to be doing a different Batman series of movies in addition to that. There's a lot of Batman. I mean, listen, it's a um, moneymaker. It's the only thing they apparently know how to well, do. Well, I'm not opposed to it, man. Like, I've, I have I was on a, a podcast not terribly long ago, like, briefly ranting about, like, you dummies, just make the HBO Batman show, you idiots. Just do it. What are you waiting for? Print that money. Give us, give us an incredible Batman show on HBO, you morons. We can handle there being a movie Batman and an HBO Batman and frankly a CW Batman. He's freaking Batman and we're not idiots. We can do it. We can handle that. Make your Batman stuff. Do a bunch of different Batman things, you dum-dums. So that's what I was saying a few weeks ago. I hold to it now. So I'm totally down if they want to do a few different Batman things. That sounds sounds potentially fun. I just hope they're all good. That's, uh, and see, for me, right, like, this goes into the beauty of the multiverse. You're able to do different types of Batman stories by different people but from different styles and tones, and they're all good, and they're all fine because they're taking a character that's beloved and just purchasing him a little bit differently, and I think it works really well. I'm also excited for those things. I'm fine-ish with more Batman. I'm a little tired of Batman, but just because literally there's so many other heroes out there, and I think that's the part. Give us multiple Superman. Give us multiple, exactly. Give us a Superman. Give, Give us, us multiple Superman. Superman. Um... They gave you mm. one. You didn't like well, them. I Kevin. liked them fine. Um, but we, 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 and we do have it. Let, let me correct myself, actually. Now I, I totally forgot about this, especially today of all days. I just released Lois and Clark super, super, Round Superman 2. And Lois. But yes, Lois and Clark Round 2. I'm really pumped about that. I think 
as much as I've actually complained, and you know, it's not fair to me to actually forget about this because I do think Tyler Hoechlin is a phenomenal Superman. I think that's the closest I felt. Speaking of Sephiroth, he does the voice of Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII. Get the remake. f out of here! That's Tyler Hoechlin. Seriously? And, he does, and he's and he's very bad. I think he's horrible in that role. But that's not. Are you sure that was him? I'm sure. Yeah. I think it's also like I don't yeah. know for you, but for me, it's funny. Are you ready for this one? So, Tyler Hoechlin sure. is doing the voice of Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII Remake, you just said. The voice of yeah. Sephiroth in previous incarnations, which would be Kingdom Hearts and in Final Fantasy Advent Children, was George Newbern, who was the voice of Superman in the animated Superman series. That's right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cause of yeah, wheel. weird. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that character is actually, that actor does a great job uh, as Superman. I think it's the closest has come to the Christopher Reeve version that I love and adore. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, they announced, they announced the Batmans. They also announced that they want to continue with the Wonder Womans and your Aquamans. And I think they're, it sounds like they're doing a DC EU that's still within that world. But then the Flash is a bridge, as he tends to be, between the multiverse. They're going to flashpoint this stuff. They're going to yeah. break and it. And then have it be like a bridge between various incarnations and universes, which totally works for me. I mean, that's the DC, that's the DC universe. I mean, that's the multiverse. It works if they're good. It doesn't if they're bad. Sort of. Here's the joy about the multiverse. The bad ones won't affect the good ones. No, it works. You can have a crappy Batman I, I, movie, well, and you still have the other good Batman movie. Not if not if they try to end game stuff, though. That's where you start to like taint your you know your you know cross contamination can can occur. Uh, that that's where I would. Get I guess nervous. if they try an end game, and if they if they plan if they're planning that long term ahead, which if history has shown them they shouldn't. Um work up to that and fix it get it all right then do that stuff then plan for that um i think is the way to be going yeah yeah so uh wonder woman 84 coming next get us your feedback super at postshowrecaps.com you can send your ratings in for both the original wonder woman and this wonder woman movie 84 uh we'll talk about that on here um all of your reviews everything that you've got we we want to hear them um and also talk to us in the discord we have very very robust superhero conversations in the discord if you're a member at that level you should definitely be participating if you are not a member yet good incentive to to sign up maybe at this point wait until new year's day otherwise you're gonna get double charged uh so wait until january 1st rolls around um but think about it patreon.com slash post show recap start of a new month always a great time to sign up We've got a really great community going on. And Kevin, uh, especially, you're such a valuable resource to so many people talking about all this stuff. People have been having a blast uh, getting to pick your brain about all these things. Um, And we'll have more opportunities to talk about DC generally. If anybody has just like DC takes, anything you want us to talk about on 84, it's going to be our last podcast spot to be talking about DC for at least a minute because we're going straight into WandaVision after 84. So get all of that stuff in. One last thing before we go, Kevin, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. For this week's episode of Post Show Recaps, Geico, do you own or rent your home? Well, sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Building policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. With all of that said, Kevin, a.k.a. at Kev Mahadeo, and myself, a.k.a. at Round Howard, we'll see you on the internets, and we'll see you in just a couple days to talk Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> <laughs>
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.